All righty, here we go. Night Shift Football Red Edition. We're back. The A-League season has started. Uh, we're fresh out of uh, just recording our Euro episode about the Premier League. Uh, plenty going on there. Go listen to that one, episode 129. But here we are, Red Edition. Tommy's here. Cooper's here again. Say hello, guys. Yo. Did I see him? There we go. Look, we've said hello for the second time tonight. It was, we record them all on the same <laughs> night. Look at this. Um, wow. I don't know where we start, but maybe we start with Last week, our kind of pessimism leading into this, but also thinking, you know, Central Coast have lost a few players. Maybe maybe we could beat the defending premiers. Who knows? Um, I, that's me saying I can't remember what our predictions were, but um, here we are, 3-0 winners, top of the league, Coop. Yeah, I, I mean, Sam, you and I were pretty on board with let's just not lose. Yeah. I, I think that was the, the way to go. Um and I think, I don't know, Tom probably summed the game up perfectly when he, he quoted you midweek saying that that's just the kind of league we're in. You'd probably think it was ridiculous if we were sitting here saying we've lost our best player. Let's go out there and potentially beat the reigning champions that romped us twice in a two-league semifinal last year. Yeah. But that's just what the A-League is at times. Definitely. We, I think we were mostly on board that this was the best opportunity we had to beat the Mariners. And we absolutely smashed them. Um, through no consequence of the Mariners having two key players going out injured, I think we were just the better team overall. Well, I think we will. I would like to caveat it and we'll get it out the way though so that then we can spend the next 20 minutes um, pretty much boasting about how Adelaide are the best team in the country. (laughs) Um, But... That the, lid is off. the caveat is big and it is that they, this is a Central Coast team that lost, you know, we lost Goodwin in the offseason. They lost Cummings, the cum dog, uh, Silvera, Encololo, uh, Triantis. Uh, is there another one in there? James McGarry. I said McGarry, yeah. McGarry, um, you know, and then also had Brian Caltech and Cole get injured in the first 20 minutes of this one. <laughs> and rough, like, because I thought, they looked very dangerous first 15 minutes and I thought Cole looked a handful. Um, I thought they were better than us first 15, yeah. Oh, for sure. There were some nervy moments up there. Yeah, I think it took us a, a little bit of time to settle. Um, but I think once we did, we were just a better team. I think Quoll and, and Kowtak aside, it, it potentially helped. Um, not having Kowtak there is always, you know, it's, it's good for our wingers. I think we saw last year that Nesta struggled in both of those semi-final legs, and we put it down to just Jacob Farrell, who's a, another young Australian kid who who looks a talent, um, but played left back on this game and didn't and didn't have the cover of Brian Kowtak behind him this time for a majority of the game, and his one-on-one matchup with with Nestor, he looked a completely different story to what it looked in both of those semi-finals last year. He just Nestor just chalk and cheese compared to what it was in the semi last year. He just. Well, he- Bullied him really. He got. Um, well, he ended up he moving got, to centre back. He got shifted centre back. Yeah, yeah, when Noah Smith. Noah came Smith. On. Good old Noah Smith came on and played left that back. That probably rat. explains. Might explain why we had so much luck down, luck down that wing. Um, no disrespect to Noah Smith, but geez. Oh no! Full disrespect to Noah Smith. <laughs> okay, let him have it. <laughs> if you if you come back to the club that you left and dish up a performance like that, I think you deserve um, uh, every ounce of hatred coming your way. Sure. Um, early chance, big one. Um, on the break, Central Coast, uh, we saw, I mentioned to you both, uh, we're at the top of Highmarsh, I mentioned that Nisbet was worrying me, just the positions he gets into in those pockets and then uh, the way he feeds those balls in behind the defence. He did it a couple of times. 
Um, one ended up at the feet of Tulio, who backheeled it to, I believe it was Wilson, mm. all on his own. William Wilson. He got the whole goal, uh, the whole goal to himself, pretty much with Gauchi, and he kind of. It's a good save by Gauchi, but he's got to score there. That's just a big turning point. Yeah, great save. Um, I don't want to take anything away from Joe because, like I said, he was the reason that we didn't didn't lose that last friendly against Western United. And this is whether he should have scored or not. It's a great save, and yeah. and this is the kind of thing we spoke the week before that it's going to have to be a very big year at times for Joe Gauchi because if it's not, we could be in for a very long season. And I think this is one of those moments, you know, you go one nil down in this game, the complexion of the 90 minutes is very, very different to what it was. 100%. Yep. And he, he stood up in, you know, what we forecast. And like, if he can do this in, you know, the we got three big games coming up in the next three weeks. And if he can pull out a moment like that in every game, you know, we're well on our way to securing more points than I could have ever imagined. So we mentioned Gauchi, who um, in the end, perhaps more of a quieter game for him in the end when when Adelaide took over and started dominating the game. We'll just go through this back line quickly uh, as we go through the lineup. Madania, Popovic, Ansel, Kiddo. A lot of us just relieved to actually see Ansel on the starting sheet. Um, what a rock. How good is he? Like, uh, we're just going to sing his praises, right? Because he was fantastic. Yeah. We did and last every season time as well. He- Every time he comes in, it's clean sheets. Yeah. Yeah, he's. we spoke about it during the week in, in our preview pod, and we said that if, if Nick Ansel is fit this season, that at every opportunity he is fit, he needs to start games. Um, and, and Carl Viet in his post-match press conference uh, was quoted saying, he was excellent and I'm so glad for him and his family that he has got through those tough times. This is a big leap for him and a huge season for him. And hopefully mm-hmm. that means that if Nick can stay fit this season, which it seems like you know he's done a lot of work on his body through this through this preseason, if he can, that he's going to be a, a mainstay and a, and a fixture in this, this back four. And I made a comment to Sam. Um, during sitting out the game, during the game, how much better does Alexander Popovich look next to Nick Ansel in comparison to what he looks next to Ben Warland? It's like I don't know whether it's a, just a mental thing that he just has more trust. Mm. Yeah, but I did think I was going to mention I did think Popovich started a bit shaky. Um, yeah. Some of his passing was a little off, but I think the whole team in general uh, that the kind of back third were a little bit shaky to start with, and that's why Central Coast were on top. Um, but then once we took over, yeah, Popper back there next to Ansel. I think he can only improve, can't he, next to next to someone like Nick. The experience he brings is just it's just you can tell. When you've been watching guys like Warland, Trat, um, who else has been back there? Lockie Barr, oh, even just the long um, list. Just, you know, not that I dislike Lockie Barr, but he's not this level. Nick Ansel is an A-League champion, you know, and he's been mm. around for a long time. Um that's it. Yeah, Nick Ansel to me bad. feels like a similar vein of signing as like um Ogre when we brought in Ogdenovsky. Yeah. Like he brings just that kind of stature, that experience, you know, the yeah. know-how. Um I yeah, I can't I really liked Carl's uh post-match uh comments about him that Cooper just said. Um he kind of alludes to why he was missing, I think, for like large periods of the season without real uh announcement or like sometimes Sometimes maybe we don't need to know why a player isn't in the in in, yep. in the you know the the starting squad or on the bench. And so that's good. And so whatever's been going on, like fuck, if he can have the season that we all think he can have, we're well on our way 
to actually achieving, you know, a top six finish. A top sixth. six finish. Yay, sixth. <laughs> um, I'll gloss over Kiddo, I think, because I think we all probably agree Kiddo had a pretty regulation Kiddo game where, you know, busts his ass, gets up and down the field, everything we love about Ryan Kiddo. Uh, Cooper's finally coming around to him. Um, you know, nothing super special, but he gets involved in the front third, gets all the way back to help in the back third. Um, so pretty regulation. Um, I'm just, I want to know how you both feel about Madania because personally, I think I still don't have a lot of trust in him as a fullback. It's weird watching him tear it up on the wing in the MPL and then play fullback in the A-League. Um, he did that little cut inside a bunch of times that looked really cool and he beat a man, but then got, then let the guy catch him and tackle him like three <laughs> times in a row. It was yeah, getting a so bit often. frustrating, but um, how do we feel about Panache? Pre-game, um, sitting with there, Antonis and and another friend of ours, Chris, we were talking about, we we're sitting there watching the women talking about potential lineups. And and obviously in, in a lot of our minds pre-game, it was we were still far from favoritism going into this game. And we were still pretty doom and gloom on what we thought the season might have been. And I remember saying to to the boys that if Panache started at right back when the lineups come out, that I might have gone home before kickoff. Um and I just can't in my head, I couldn't fathom how in the last opportunity to prepare for the season against Western United uh, two weeks ago now, Panache was dragged after 25 minutes and didn't see another minute of football. And then and then Carl starts him. And I just wonder in, in my head now, I just wonder whether the reason that, that Carl took him off is he still has all this trust in him and he just thought he's not at it today. Let's not let him damage his confidence for another hour. Let's just let's just get him out of this one. And maybe sometimes that's, you know, from just a different perspective, from a coaching perspective, that, that might mm. be a reason a reason for doing it and he seems to have a lot of trust in him um as far as we're aware the talk seems to be that the reason that Javi Lopez was neither in this squad or listed on the unavailabilities is because he just was neither of those things he was available for selection in this squad and he was just not selected um so it seems like like Carl is very much on the Padash Madania at right back bandwagon and I think I, I'm with you. He had a few nervy moments in this game and he did come inside and try and do too much a few times. Um, but I think he was, he did a fair bit going forward. And I think potentially what they're trying to do is they like the link up between Panache and Nestor and what it, mm. what it gives us going forward. So they might just persist with him. Well, I mean, you can do that if you're going to play Izzy in the hole because Izzy can just drift out uh, right. Like we saw him do a little bit to try and cover um, Panache and, his forward exploits. Like uh, I can see why Carl wants to persist with the kids. Cause like he is uh, intrinsically a, a youth coach. I mean, yeah. he's Adelaide United youth. He did some FFSA, uh, you know, national youth center stuff. This is where he's cut his teeth. Um, and so I guess if he sees something in a player that he thinks he can mold and turn it into a, you know, a resolute fullback, like why not? I thought he had a fine game. Um, of, you know, we haven't conceded and I think we were fortunate uh, in a sense that they did lose, you know, kind of those those outlets that they were relying upon. Um, and, it, you know, with Nestor being freed up on the right-hand side, it does give Panache a little bit more freedom to get forward. And we overloaded them and we, we controlled the game in our attacking half. And so that does put them on the back foot and allow Panache um, to roam forward or not have to stick, you know, as strictly to a man. It'll be interesting to see if he starts this weekend against City. I reckon you may see uh, Yavi Lopez come back in. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not convinced. I think we're going to see Panache Panache Madania at right back against City this week, and he's going to have 
you know, Alessandro Lapane and Aziz Bayic to deal with on that side. So it's going to be a huge test for him. Yeah, I think Panas days. I, I get it. Um, I think if you're based on last season, there's not heaps to suggest Javi Lopez should be ahead of Panache, is there, really? Mm. That's a good point. No, exactly. That's on last season only. You know, obviously, no, exactly. Javi, the season before, was wild and, you know, pushed Goodwin all the way to player of the year. Um, yeah. But at the moment, you know, I guess the player we brought in for that was probably meant to be Van der Sarg, who is unfortunately mm. seems like is just uh, more injury setback, but we don't really know. Yeah, yeah, I think I think the Javi Lopez re-signing makes a lot of sense too. Like even if he's not necessarily in the plans to be that to be that right back, is there a better guy for any of these players to learn right. from at yeah. all? Whether it, whether it just be a, a fullback or whether it be any player in this squad, is there a better guy in this country in this league right now for our young players to go and learn from, given the experience that he's had? Yeah, no, yeah, I agree I- with that. I, ju- I think I just think there's going to be games where it calls for him to play, and City is the one um, where he should start. I think in what Cooper said there, I, that only makes sense to me because, um, you know, we have we have obviously no intention of going out and recruiting ready to go gun players in those international spots, which is I I would rather do that than sign. Like I agree with what you're saying about Lopez and how important he would be to learn and um, have that experience, but. I, that's not really what your international spot should be for. I don't think I wouldn't have thought, but um, it is what it is now. It's, I yeah. mean, it's an interesting take, isn't it? Because if that's what we're doing, that's uh, no one else is doing that. Signing international footballers to be coaching mentors for, you know, the youth products that are coming through. That's, well, I just, I, just cool. I, I think Sam's on the money. I don't think, I think you have to assume there's no intention to, to go out and sign another international player. I don't think Carl necessarily feels like there's a spot left in this lineup where he wants to go out and try and improve it with a with a visa player. So I think it makes sense on that basis. I uh, guess, but the, the board did say we were going to get two to three and we've only had one, so. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, move into the midfield. I, I don't know if you want to talk about Izzy at all. Probably, probably don't need to because we've got some other players we're going to talk about a bit is he pretty standard is he performance uh at the moment we'll see how he goes under when the team's under a bit more pressure we'll see how those aging mm-hmm. legs go and the ill discipline that has crept into the game um shows uh johnny yule though uh who wants to take johnny well can we both i think we both yeah, want to I right? just want someone to go first i just i rewatched the game uh saturday morning and the the thing that stood out the most to me was just how in control this guy was of his area of the park and how much he, you know, after the first 15 minutes, I think he did kind of get the better of Nisbet. And there's a good reason. I think Ballard was subbed in the end. There was, I thought, I thought Johnny always just head and shoulders in terms of his creativity, his positioning, the way that he picked up the ball and distributed it for a guy of his age. Uh, I think we're looking at the way I wanted to describe it is that he gives me like Riley McGree, Steph Morg, Jimmy Jago vibes, but like all three of them rolled into one guy. And that just excites me so much to watch him play this season. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'm going to be naming three great midfielders of this club and, and rolling them all in one and putting that kind of pressure on this kid after one one really good starting performance. Um, But how nice was it to see a young kid go out there and play with 
with creative freedom that you can only assume he's been given from the from the coaching staff and from a tactical point of view. And just watching Adelaide United box to box midfielder just just work between the lines and, and get in between the lines from from you know our viewpoint where we were watching the game just being able to see the way that he moves in between those lines and and he, he'll notice that Izzy or, or Zach going to pick the ball up and he, in his head he can just instantly switch on and go, right, I don't need to be here anymore. Where can I put myself that's going to give, that's going to break this midfield apart? And every single move that he made and every single thing that he did was to break down that Central Coast midfield. And it was it was so nice. The, the double pivot at Adelaide United is dead. It's gone. It's gone. Um, and yeah. And, Later after, after the game, Carl, he's, you know, Johnny, he is a very, very special player. And I've been saying that for a long time. I think he showed tonight, him and Zach, you know, the more that they can play together, they're going to be causing a lot of issues for a lot of teams because they're both very good at receiving balls in tight areas and playing forward. And I said last week with Zach Clough as well that that I felt like he hadn't been given much opportunity in this squad to, to get the ball in those areas and to have creative freedom to try and pick whatever pass he wanted to do because we could be relying on Craig. And now all mm. of a sudden it seems like we've got two midfielders with that freedom, both very capable of getting on it and going forward. Mm-hmm. We said it's the Harry Kane effect, isn't it? You get rid of him and all of a sudden it opens up other options. And for Zach especially to have someone like Johnny Yell in behind him, um, feeding him the ball in areas he wants and also being able to receive them straight away or being in support if it goes wrong, I think is massive. And that gives that freedom to Zach Clough, um, which could see him excel this season. Yeah, let's go on to that, Zach Clough. Um, no one in this state has talked more shit about Zach Clough than myself, probably. Um, and This I'm podcast not, in general. I'm not ready to eat my words, but that was one hell of a performance. And I would say by miles, his best game in an Adelaide shirt. And I'm just wondering where it's been. How good was he? Oh, it he, was, was just... he was wild. It was brilliant. It was best on the ground for me. For so long, we've heard how good this guy can be at getting into the into the pocket and how good his passing can be. But just he just made every single one of those Mariners midfielders and, and defenders as well just be accountable for an extra body. And at times, I've just felt like we were so weak going forward because we only had one or two guys that actually forced a defender to be accountable for someone. But he just kept finding him. You know, he came into the box, hit the post, he had a few other a few other good chances. Booker made a good save off him as well. And then and to step up and, and to take the penalty. I know we've lost Craig, but you know, in a situation last season when when Craig wasn't on the park, we saw Hiroshi take penalties. I wouldn't have been surprised at all to see Ben Halloran take penalties this season, given the, yep. the leadership step up he wants to take. Mm-hmm. But I just think we've heard a million times, and especially this year, how impressive Zach Clough is in, in training and during preseason and how hard he works. And I think him stepping up and taking the penalty in that moment is just a, a show of how much trust the the players in this squad have in Zach. Yeah, I'm all for I just I would love to be so wrong about the last year or so. I would love I would love nothing more than for him to prove me wrong and just turn it on because I loved what I saw the other night. Um brilliant. Tommy yeah. Yeah, no, I just I just echo everyone's thoughts right yeah. now. Um, it's not eating words as such. I think, like you know, we've alluded to in this pod, is that well, the criticism now, was fair, wasn't it? The criticism was fair. Yeah, of course it was. I he's mean, been he's, shit. One, <laughs> he's been he's horrible. One good, his one good moment was like a mishit shot uh, against City in the semi, yeah. and outside outside of that, he's been not great. Um, but yeah, yeah, maybe he's finally being given a formation and a lineup that allows him to succeed and. 
Let's go. Let's fucking go. Goal and yeah, assist. Absolutely. Like every um, week. Come on. I'm overly keen, especially from a Zach Clough perspective, overly keen for, for this weekend's game against against City because it's going to give that squad a test against better players, but especially Zach Clough. He's got, you know, Steven Yugarkovic, who's holding down the the six for City at the moment, is going to give him more of a test than he had from from that Mariners midfield. But he's going to be given the opportunity again to take advantage of Tolgay Arslan getting drawn forward in that box-to-box mm-hmm. role. He's going to be given that chance again, like he was with Nisbet on the weekend. And it's a good hold, opportunity. Hold on. Hold if you've got a few of the, more of those thoughts, hold on to them because we will do. We'll get to Melbourne City coming up. We like to go through and give our predictions and things. You can share that then. Um, sorry to cut you off, man. Uh-huh. Yeah. We'll move on though. Uh, ben Halloran was another one I know you wanted to talk about because he also got on the score sheet and he also. Well, I said last week this guy was the player that I put down as someone who really needs to fucking step up. He's the one in this team now that has to step into the Craig Goodwin shoes, uh, even though he plays already, he was already in that kind of that role. Um, he needs to step it up, show us his worth and really take some games by the balls. And I feel like he really did that the other night. Bobby, do you have anything? Oh, I thought he threw to you. Yeah. Ben Halloran. Holy shit. I was, I was throwing a Cooper, but I, I think he's upset. I cut him off before. Oh, <laughs> so he's, he's staying strong. I, I was just thinking how polite we've all been during this pod. Um, Ben Halloran, like you said, he was in a similar role to Craig Goodwin. Um, now there's no Craig. He can play on the left-hand side. And this is a weapon for this guy. His ability to cut inside on his right foot is something that we just have not been able to see. And this is another thing with the Harry Kane paradox. You give this guy an opportunity to open up a different aspect of his game. That's how we score the first goal. Like, it's really nice midfield work. Uh, Zach Clough frees up the ball into Hero, who we'll get onto, who feeds it into Halloran, who can first time coming inside on his right foot, you know, deliver a, a, a powerful shot, a goal-winning, or not, you know, a goal, a strike that results in a goal. And it's it's a different aspect of Adelaide United that we get. And it's, you know, it's indicative of his whole performance. I thought he worked extremely hard and he does look fitter and he looks like the kind of guy that's bought in this season. And another one, like Zach, like McCann, so all power to you guys. Let's go. Yeah, love it. Um, agree. A uh, really good start for for Ben Halloran in terms of what we asked for and what we wanted to see. The biggest thing I think for me in this Ben Halloran performance was he just fucking worked hard. And I think there was times last year that we genuinely questioned how much he actually wanted to be there and just his work rate and how many times he let this team down because he turned the ball over or or an attack went astray and he just was miserable and just fucking refused to work back. And I think we finally we finally saw that from him a little bit on on Friday night. Um and I think with Zach it's it's not eating words yet. We need to see more of it. Um Carl spoke a lot in his presser about the 12 months he had overseas that didn't didn't go very well for him. And he played a, a serious lack of minutes while he was over there and potentially, you know, having a lot of that much time out of the game, it can take a while for someone to get back to a level that they were at. And, and that might've been what we saw with Ben last season. Um, just a couple moments for me. And, and, you know, it's, it's week one of the season, whether he's the, the best or worst player in the league, there's time and there's rustiness. Um, I just thought he could have had a, a second goal in this game. I thought he had a few opportunities where, he probably should have put at least one of them away. There was a one-on-one at the end of the game where it was very similar to that of William Wilson where it, a strong Booker hand kept it out, but he went near post and he probably should have gone across Booker and he probably should have scored. 
And there's going to be, there's going to be games where, you know, that chance that he's missed there is a better chance than the one he's scored. And there's going to be games where he gets that chance and he needs to score it. So we need to yep. see him grow into this season a bit more and take those opportunities. Absolutely. Um, Nestor was on the other side. You already mentioned he, um, he caused Central Coast all sorts, in particular Noah Smith. Didn't get on the score sheet, but he was he was creating uh, some of the runs he went on where he somehow beats the defender to the ball and then knocks it past him and then somehow beats him to the ball again. It's just incredible, the pace on this kid. The raw talent still so rough around the edges just very quickly. Any thoughts on Nestor? Uh, incredible. That was his first A-League start. Isn't it? Yeah. Feels criminal, doesn't it? It kind of given does. Him, to, given his history already with us as fans. What he what he did last season to deprive him of a start the entire way. Yeah. Uh, didn't really reflect on that. But I like his wide play, brilliant. But I really liked his um, inside play. The ability yes. for him to post up the fullback, cut inside, and then beat you know the covering defensive midfielder or yes. centre back. Absolutely. That was massive. Yeah. Cooper, anything on Nestor? Are you good? Yeah. Um, Great performance. I think my biggest, the biggest query I had on Nestor is starting games, and I saw it in that in that friendly. Obviously, on this one, but I just felt he's, I just feel he's lazy at times, and I'm not, I'm not sure how well that reflects when you start a game. Um, but there was this. I moment, love, how, I love how much you're leveling us down in this pod. It feels like me and Sammy are like, yep, we're up, we're gonna fucking win the whole thing. <laughs> keeps, oh, hang on, hang on, lads. I just, yeah, there was this, there was a moment, seventy-one minutes into this game, where Moose Torre had come on. And he's another just fantastic raw talent. He was exciting when he came on. Nothing, it didn't really fall for him. It didn't really happen for him. But he had a, we had a, we had a break and Musa had the ball driving through probably what was that, that hole in the midfield, that 10 spot that Zach had done all night. And there was this blind, obvious pass to to a Ben Halloran who was probably one-on-one with the keeper if he'd played it. And he played this weird ball that he messed up completely out left to Nestor instead. And the defender probably had a 25 meter head start on Nesta and was just jogging backwards towards this ball, getting ready to pick it up, turn around and play. And Nesta came from nowhere, absolutely nowhere, beat the defender to the ball, held the ball up and we ended up getting a corner out of it. And post that play, he sat on the floor, didn't move and was subbed off. But is that not what you want from the guy? <laughs> if this is that, well, you know, you're 72 minutes into the game. If you have one more moment in you, use it and then let someone else do the job. And I think it's a really mature moment for Nesta to show that he's always such a kid late in these games. He wants to be the guy that, that seals the game or wins this game, but maybe he went, nah, fuck that. I'm going to use all the energy I have left with 20 minutes to go to just make sure we don't turn this ball over unnecessarily here. And then I will trust my teammates to, to get this job done because I'm absolutely fucking cooked. And I thought that was a really mature moment for him. Yeah. He's got that that buying mentality now. Um, Let's keep it moving. Um, very quickly, Hero, uh, I guess just did all the good things that we like about Hero with the hold-up play and his ability to, you know, bring balls down and stuff, but also the worst of Hero, which is, unfortunately, he is just very limited by his mobility, isn't he? Um, he he's 100. painfully slow. And uh, that chance he created in the box where he air swung and missed it. Uh, and then I think Halloran came through and missed or uh, just, it was a bit of a calamity, but, um, you know, <laughs> Good enough. Good enough from him, I think. But we saw the best of him when he set up the Halloran goal. Absolutely. He yeah. draws three defenders, holds it up nicely and lays it off. And if he can give us one moment of that per game that leads into a goal, is it worth starting him? Probably. Because then it gives you the option to bring a Musa on or a Luca or 
whoever you want to bring on to fill that, you know, defensive laps. Sure. I, I, I think it works nicely. The way we've played wide uh, last season and in previous seasons, we spoke doesn't it just hasn't suited Hiroshi. Not quick enough to hold the ball up and play it out wide and then get back in the box and be that threat. But the way we played Friday night with Hiroshi holding the ball up and then Zach and Johnny getting ahead of Hiroshi was exactly now how he needs to be used. If they go back to that faster style of gameplay for for certain games or for tactical reasons, then it probably still needs to be Luca. But if they're going to give Zach and Johnny that freedom to get forward centrally and go past Hiroshi, then he's the perfect guy for the role. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a bunch of guys coming off the bench. We won't talk about them because there's it's a long season. There's we got plenty of weeks to get to them. But Mister Torre came on, had one. a good impact. Uh, very quickly, Luke Duzel, maybe the worst nine minutes I've ever seen from a footballer. Yeah, I, that's all that really needs to be said about Luke Duzel. I'll agree with you there. One of the worst nine minutes of A-League football I've seen. But we'll stick with him. Like I said, long season. Duzel came on. Yeah. Bernardo came on. Uh, Ryan Tunnicliffe came on, made his Adelaide United debut. Mr. Toure came on and uh, lit it up pretty well. Got booted twice by Farrell and was also um, <laughs> booked for diving, which is unfortunate and we don't like and we hate it. So hopefully he'll get that out of his game, but he looks another exciting prospect as well. And all of these guys are going to play their part throughout this season. So we'll get to them. Um, I just want to finish on this game specifically. Um, Obviously the three nil, three goals, clean sheet, six different players involved. Bernardo uh, gets an assist for Ansel. Uh, Ibasuki gets an assist for Halloran. Kito wins a penalty, uh, which Clough puts away. So, um, you know, what more can you ask for in an opening round, albeit with that caveat of Central Coast and they're missing players, but you can only beat what's in front of you. And we did it convincingly under the Friday Night Lights at Highmarsh, and I fucking love it. All right, uh, Cooper, can you very quickly, I'm sure you were there. I didn't get my membership ticket in time, but uh, the women's game, you want to give us a bit of a wrap of uh, an unfortunate loss at home? Yeah, um, disappointing. Adrian Stenter probably wrapped it up the best. He said that he thought that our best football was better than what the Mariners provided, but it just took way, way too long for the for the girls to play what they're capable of playing. And unfortunately, it's it's a case of more points dropped. Yeah, absolutely. Um, frustrating. The goal, the goals that have been conceded have just been a been a tough watch. But they'll get there. Um, good luck to them. It's painful having these. There was a. It looked like there was a decent crowd in there, but four thirty on a Friday afternoon is. It's always going to be tough. Uh, I understand. There's no. There's no way around that double header starting any later, really, unless it starts at five, and the A League starts at eight. But they'll never do that. So, um, you know, uh, is what it is. Um, I'll ask you both now. Uh, for the rest of the rounds, action. We had Macarthur one, Brisbane one, West United two, Melbourne City one, Melbourne victory two, Sydney FC nil. Uh, West Sydney and Wellington had a, a pretty entertaining nil or draw. I got to say, I watched that one. Uh, Perth two, Newcastle two. What was your what's your takeaways from the opening round of A League? Is there anything you want to specifically point out? I I thought it was most cruel to leave the the best game of the round uh, to Perth away on a Sunday night at God knows what time. Well, Perth were at home. They went away. Yeah, true. Sorry. Perth <laughs> away for everyone else in which you're watching a game until like 10, 1030 at night. We talked about this during the week. Is this... <laughs> Eight o'clock. Could, could this become Sunday essential viewing? Perth on a Sunday evening. I don't know. I reckon if you dish more games out like this, potentially. It's, it, you know, it had every A-League 
feature of the game, you know, dead patches, just meaningless football. But, you know, to have a couple of good goals and a, and a last-minute equaliser, it shouldn't be confined to the Sunday 10.30 slot. Yeah. Um, yeah but they, not, don't, they don't know that that game's going to be like that, so... Not know. sure. Not sure I agree nor disagree with that. I think it's going to be <laughs> two of the poorest sides in the competition this year. Yeah, I, I didn't take much out of that game. Poor football and scoring some some decent goals. Um, no, nah, um, like West Sydney Wellington, and that had the lowest XG of any game I've ever seen. It was an enjoyable. I thought West Sydney were a good watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, City unfortunate finished chances on another day. They beat Western United. Um. I'm not sure round one form is going to be a huge thing to go off this season. I thought, no. whoa, at, whoa, whoa. I thought that at times Sydney were were better than Melbourne in the derby in the Big Blue as well. Um, probably, uh, you know, Andrew Redmayne is just he's ordinary. I, I don't want to. So he's ordinary. Just, sorry, I don't want to go too long here. But Tom no, Hewitt Bell, it. Tom Hewitt Bell made his debut um, on the weekend for Western United and. He was as Western United, I believe. I'm not losing yep. my mind. Yeah, he was excellent. No, right. He was fantastic. He was great. They've gone and gone from they've gone from Jamie Young, who's the oldest keeper in the league, to Tom Hewitt Bell, who's one of the younger guys, and he was fantastic. He made what is probably close to save of the season already in round one. He, yeah, he the one off J Mac. And he for a period there, Andrew Redmayne went away on international duty, and Tom Hewitt Bell played three ripper games in a row for Sydney. Redmayne came back and Hewitt Bell stayed in the side for another three weeks, played three really good games gave away a really unfortunate penalty in a one-all draw that he still played quite well in and then never saw another start for Sydney FC. And now they've kept Redmayne, let Hewitt Bell go. And I'm sorry, Redmayne should, he should be doing better on in both of the scenarios for both goals. Absolutely. Absolutely. He was shocking. The worst player on the pitch in this game. And <laughs> I, I can't less, believe... Less so, the, less so the goal where Bratton loses it. Yeah, it's... I just... Yeah, that second goal is... People are talking, oh, he's thundered at home. Da, da, da. That's horrendous goalkeeping. He has yeah, to say that a hundred times out of a hundred times. He didn't just thunder at home. He bulldozed like two defenders on route to the goal. But yeah. Redman was stuck. He was like a... Um, he had a few moments as well where there were shots that coming at him that weren't hit. Like you could tell the def- the, the strikers wound up with power and not, not, not got it, the timing right. And... Um, He's just kind of let it hit him in the shin and spilled it, or he's gone down and spilled it. Like he's just not good. And I'm sick of the hype around this guy and how he gets in the Socceroos squad every damn time. It does my head in. They, they should have shifted him off to MacArthur last season when Hewitt Bell finally announced himself as like a proper A League goalkeeper because he is going to be wicked for Western United. Um, um, what was funny about that game, Sammy, uh, was how much they were bigging up. Western United beating Melbourne City like it was. Yeah, we talked about this. Yeah, we were watching like it at your it house and um, they Burnley talked about it like. Man City. Yeah, they talked about it like it was some massive moment in the club's history. Like it was a complete shock. Like Western United were champions a couple of seasons ago. This isn't yeah. this isn't huge. This isn't that big. And they're supposedly from, they played all their home games at that ground. Like despite being the Western United, whatever. We're not going into the whole stadium debacle of Western United again, but. Like, I don't, I, yeah, I don't understand why that was being hyped so much as a massive moment in their club's history. Like, even like, is it the first time they've ever beaten Melbourne City? Like, surely not. Like, and even no, if it I is, who gives a fuck? Like, they beat him in that final. How yeah. could it be? Who uh, honestly cares? My favorite, my favorite part of it with you just throwing away like oh, we beat City every other game. Like, it's not that big a deal. 
yeah, just, we do it every week. Fucking, let's go. Come join us. Um, if I'm shouting out anyone from this weekend, it's the young Wellington Academy keeper Alex Bolson, who mm. who had a great okay. game against West Sydney. Um, but yeah, that's that's a that's a bit of an A League wrap this week. I just um, quickly, um, young South Australian Raf Borges Rodriguez, son of Adelaide United legend Cristiano, first A League start, um, first A League goal. So sorry, first Macarthur start, first A League goal. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, it's a shame it's for them in front of nobody. Um, a couple of people, a couple of kids with some cowbells, like unfortunate. Um, anyway, Legend. that's our A League wrap. I, I make no apologies about us not really going into the whole A League because uh, it's an Adelaide United pod. That's what we're here for. Um, taking it back to Adelaide United, we'll just very quickly. We've got five minutes. Um, predictions for this week: We've got Melbourne City in a game that was weirdly moved to a Sunday night. Um. Cooper, I don't know if you want to take off where you left before about uh, Zach Clough going up against Ugarkovic and Arslan in the midfield there. Yeah, I just I think for for the us as a club and for the state of our season, but also for a few of those players individually like Zach Clough and Ben Halloran, they're going to come up against some tougher players this weekend. And this is where they need to... We spoke about these guys standing up. I think this is the the kind of game and the kind of time that we mean in which they really need to do to stand up because if they don't, it could become a seriously overwhelming experience for, for the younger guys in this squad. Um, there is an opportunity for this to either cause some real excitement about this season or for this game to be really, really humbling. Mm, I like the Izzy Arslan matchup this week. I think this has all the makings for just, you know, uh, individual battle that you see played out throughout the season and you get into the finals and it's these guys against each other again. They both look like hotheads. Mm. I mean, we know what Izzy is, but Arsene looks like that one as well. Uh, and so I'm just, I'm curious how Izzy goes about this. Is he going to try and wind him up early? Is he going to try and throw him off his game? Is he just going to try and beat him as a footballer? I don't know. I worry about it a little because uh, Arsene looks, he looks sharp. And you can Look tell cool. he's he's coming from top five league football. Oh yeah, you know top Ooh, yeah. five league in that, the world football. And that extra, just that scored. extra, oh. that extra kind of turn of turn of foot, and um, just just the sharpness. I guess I'm repeating myself, but it is what it is. Um, predictions for this week. I'm looking through this Melbourne City lineup, and um, you know it's the back solid. It's race good. Bayich, you know, um, plenty of Socceroos. Back Socceroos caps back there. Um, Yugarkovic, someone we've talked about in the midfield there. Arsene, we've mentioned. I, I think they're vulnerable still, but um, predictions. I'm gonna if you if you let me, I'm gonna do it again. Just don't lose. I'm in the same camp, to be honest. I'm also that. in the same camp. If we don't lose to Melbourne City, that's a that's a big plus. I know they lost to West United on the weekend, but um, holding holding them out here would be another another good effort. I think. Irin Kunda Bayic is going to be a wicked matchup. There's like mm. all these just brilliant individual battles across the uh, across the pitch. I think you know the like you said the central defensive partnership of Good and Reyes probably has uh, Ibisuki's number, and so it just makes me wonder what do we do? Do you persist with that for sixty minutes and try and you know exploit the wide areas and the midfielders for goals? Do you start Luca if he's ready if he's fit? I, uh, I'm persisting stick, with Hiroshi. Stick with the 11. 
persist, yeah. persist with Hiroshi on the basis that whether he plays a good game or not this weekend, he's going to make at least one of Nuno Race and Curtis Good accountable for him at all times. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And I just, the the matchup, you know, you've just spoken, there's a, there's a million good ones. The matchup for a United that can make or break this game is Ben Halloran on the, the less experienced Callum Talbot at right back. Yes, there is definitely. an opportunity for Ben Halloran to, to step up and really, really re- grab this game by the balls and be that guy this weekend. He's on an inexperienced fullback and he is the guy that can change this game for us. Yeah. I reckon yeah. Keto's got Lapana. I think that'll be fine. He'll be able to provide overlaps, overloads into that situation. Yeah, you're exactly right. They are very, has to get a goal. It's a very different front third look for, aside from Jamie McLaren, um, Yakulis, Saki, Lapane, and then coming on off the bench was like Natel, uh, Antonis came on, someone we've seen before. But um, yeah, a pr- bit of a different look to this Melbourne City front third. And it may take them a bit to gel and we could be sniffing around there. I'm with Cooper. Um, I think if we don't lose, I'd, I'd probably take it. But they're also there to be got at, like you guys said. Yep. So I think we're at, we're at home. We have a great record against City at home. They look vulnerable in key positions. Same thing as the Mariners. If there was ever a time to beat them, this is it. Nice. I'm going to go 1-1. One, one. Yep. 3-1 Adelaide, I reckon. Oh. Yeah, don't hate it. I'm, I'm thinking goals, maybe maybe two all. Love that. We're all spread across the board there for goals. Um, hopefully it is goals. Uh, we'll see you all there. Uh, thanks for listening. If you tuned in, if it's your first time, uh, get around it. Share with your Adelaide United mates. Make sure everyone's on board. And uh, we'll see you around High March this Sunday. Let's go. Go the Reds. Winning the league.